Hey, Real Talk podcast listeners, as long as oil rides high, Alberta's flush. But while the province is on pace for a $5 billion budget surplus, property taxes are on the rise in virtually every community. This as everyday folks struggle to pay their basic monthly bills. As you'll see early in this episode, our Real Talk roundtable is sounding the alarm. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. We want to welcome you to a very special edition of Real Talk, in particular the Real Talk Roundtable. You'll say, Jesperson, what's so special about that? You do it once a week. You do it every single Friday. Well, I'll tell you what's special about it. We have a panel of guests and a technical producer steering the ship today, all wearing hideous Christmas sweaters. This is officially our 2023 year in review. Real Talk Roundtable will introduce you to the stars of the Alberta Municipalities panel in just a quick second, led by their president, Tyler Gannon. We got two directors in the house. You're going to know both of them. But mm-hmm. Johnny Infamous may be stealing the show this morning. Oh, would you, you think care so? To, would you care to tell the podcast <laughs> listeners about the sweater that you're rocking this well, fine morning? Normally, I go for something, you know, non religious, you know, non denominational. Sure, very inclusive. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, kind of tone it down. This year, I said, you know what? I'm letting it all hang out. I'm going to go Homer. (laughs) I love it. The Homer Simpson jumping out of a Christmas box motif. Yeah. Complete with LED lighting. We've had a a rough year. I'm all in with the beers and the turkey and everything (laughs) this year. Let's do it. Is that a battery pack or are you plugged directly into the audio board? This This is a full battery pack and backup battery. You paid for it. Very well done. It <laughs> sounds to me to be a reasonable relay expense. So we support it. Uh, and a very happy holidays to you, producer John. You as John. well. You as well. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, in just a second, we're going to talk about the issues that are facing uh, Albertans across the province. And I know that a lot of this is going to resonate with people that are going to be catching this episode from outside the province as well. We'll talk about policing and public safety. We'll talk about political parties at the municipal level. We'll get into infrastructure funding. We're going to talk about health care and Whatever else comes up once the ball starts rolling. But first, I'm going to bail out those of you that are still looking for the perfect gift for that person in your life that's so difficult to buy for. The one thing you know about them for sure is they can't stand the job they're in right now. They're looking for a new opportunity. Maybe they've even been musing about getting into real estate. Well, you can launch your own rewarding career in real estate with Rello's affordable online courses. That's R-E-L-O. Their courses make it really easy to pass your exam and you can get your real estate license the toot suite so you can run your own business start setting your own hours be your own boss and plus unlimited earning potential who doesn't love that the best part about working with rello is that they're committed to your success they've got live instructors that are hosting online exam prep sessions every single saturday plus a whole bunch of resources to help you launch your business well after you've passed that exam and gotten licensed and right now here's the best part just in time for the holidays if you're looking to put together a cool custom christmas card letting somebody know that you're picking up their real estate course for them you're going to save 20 percent off exclusively with the code real talk that's all one word real talk you can get started today at rello.ca well if you watch 
this show on the regular, you know Tyler Gandum. He's the mayor of Wetaskiwin, and he is the recently installed president of Alberta Municipalities. He's joined this morning by a director for Towns West, Krista Gardner. She, a resident, along with her family in the beautiful community of Kalmar for more than 15 years. Uh, she holds an undergrad degree in psychology and has worked in the mental health field, in particular with families and their children. Rounding out our panel, he might be, he might be Edmonton's most popular city councillor. He's Andrew Knack. He is the lone wolf, not wearing a Christmas sweater. However, still looking so very festive today for people listening on the podcast. Could you describe this look? I love it. It's my formal Santa hat. It's my nice Christmas fedora. Yes, a, a bright, beautiful red felt fedora with a, with a rich royal blue suit. You're nailing it, counselor. You must have something. Do you have something kind of fancy or very professional feeling right after this round? Yeah, we, we got a council meeting, so I had to be I had to still be somewhat formal, but still festive. And that's where the hat came in. Yeah, I think this. he did. All right. Prez, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Andrew takes it to the next level all the time. <laughs> Although if I'd have known we were wearing fedoras this morning, I would have brought mine. You oh, do you have one. a you have a solid oh, you have a solid one? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to tell everybody what you're wearing? So I've got the Grinchmas, Mary Grinchmas uh, sweater on today. The Grinch is my alter eagle. Yes. Yeah. Only after his heart grows three times. Oh, <laughs> very well done. Nice save. Well, I was going to ask. There's got to be at least some, uh, at least a segue to get into conversation. But are you are you are you trying to hint toward one of the political storylines of 2023 with your Grinch sweater? Not at all. I've been a <laughs> Big Grinch fan ever since I was a kid. Oh, I love it. Hey, would you tell us about yours, Councillor Gardner? My my sweater says Merry Christmas on it and has presents and I'm a present, so you're oh, all welcome. There you go. <laughs> your present is your presence. That's right. how, how are things going down in Kalmar these days? Tell us a bit about Kalmar. The one thing I know about Kalmar, you guys have a world-famous bakery that's been around for like 75 years or something. We have a world-famous bakery, or at least, I guess, regionally famous. We'll go with that. Kalmar's Ooh, 15 minutes southwest of the city of Edmonton. We're straight west of Leduc. We have a number of beautiful antique shops, uh, coffee shops, all kinds of stuff. Come down and do your shopping. The Kalmar Bakery was established in 1951. They make fantastic treats of all sorts. They have Christmas baking. They have Christmas cake. Um, so like like the actual Christmas cake with all yeah. the fruit and stuff in it. like The real Christmas the cake. The real, with like the rum and the stuff. Like it's really very good white and I wish dark. people could see your, some people won't see your faces. You're talking, this, this sounds like I need tough. to drive to Calmar to you, pick up this Christmas you, cake. I have convinced Andrew that we are the best donuts in mm -hmm. the entire Edmonton region. So You're nodding. Um, have you accepted this as fact? They have an amazing sour cream donut, which is just to die for. Yeah, the sour cream. That's like the, the so-called old-fashioned oh, donut, right? So mm. good. So who so lives good. in Calmar? Are these like, when, is it a town that's growing? What's what are the what are the demographics looking like? The trends are there? Young families going there? Is the real estate more affordable? The the real estate is more affordable. Please come to Calmar. <laughs> we we are growing. We have um, a relatively young population. We have affordable housing. We have two fantastic schools that are newer, recently renovated. Um, so both an elementary and a junior senior high. We have lots of, we have restaurants, we have cheaper gas than almost anywhere in the region. So like, even if you're just driving through, stop by and fill up your tank. Um, Kalmar's a really fantastic community and I feel lucky to represent them and to, to be here and talking about them. So I hope that my council's listening. Is, and the, is the gas really <laughs> actually cheaper there? Yes. 
Like, do cars really cost less in Wetaskiwin? Absolutely. But I just filled up this morning, so I'm curious what your gas was. What was it per liter? Uh, $1.11.7. Uh, for we regular? Were, yeah. $1.11. We were one twelve nine. so. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, so. I, don't, I don't know. I haven't filled up for a while in Edmonton. I ride my but... bike everywhere. Ryan. Yeah. Oh, I don't... Said, oh, look at the counselor <laughs> riding his bike. So it can be done. <laughs> yeah. It's easy. Yeah. Do you really actually yeah, like we're I mean, not there's not going to be some expose by a far right wing independent website that shows Councillor Andrew Knack driving an F-350 Dually? <laughs> no, no, no. I have like a 2011 really? Kia Soul that I never drive anymore. <laughs> and yeah, no, right all the time. They actually took a picture of me after our meeting yesterday on the on the roads in Edmonton. Abiding by the rules. Abiding of the by the, well. yes, the, rules the rules of the road, of the road. just so everyone realizes. Yes. Wow. I'm going to be the one guy that gets Andrew Knack in hot water at some point. I don't know if it'll be this morning. but we'll see. So so everybody's. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of these issues and some of them are obviously serious and we're not going to joke around about things like policing and crime and punishment. Some of the stuff may a little, maybe a little bit more light. I mean, that's that's the nature of politics. But but you mentioned you've got a Councillor Knack, a, a, a council meeting coming up today. We know that a lot of people, you know, I mean, political, you know, public servants have, have just gone through the budget process. It can be sort of a banging ahead against the wall type exercise for a lot. And, and people are always curious at the end of the day to see what the property tax increases look like, what the mill rate is going to look like. People all know they love to see zeros. They're okay with a one or a two. They're not okay with sixes and sevens. And if it gets into double digits, you, you start thinking about things like political survival. But there's a lot of factors at play, right? And, and we'll get the whole panel in on this, including a lot of the costs that are being downloaded to municipalities from the province. Why don't you take us into this? Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, of course, everyone wants to be zero or, or even a tax cut. But the reality is that with the growth that almost every municipality is seeing in this mm -hmm. province, it's really not realistic anymore. If you go look across this province at the tax increases that happened this year, uh, you know, Edmonton was 6.6 .6 and, and some people are, you know, very upset. But if you look at Wetaskiwin, you were five, five and a half, five and a half. Calgary was seven, eight. Airdrie was six, nine. You know, most spots were five to seven to eight percent. I think even Stony Plain finished just above eight percent. And the issue that we're facing right now is there's this expansive growth in the province of Alberta. The Alberta is calling campaigns working awesome, but they're not keeping up with the funding that municipalities need, which is why we've been doing so much advocacy around the local government fiscal framework and asking for more infrastructure funding, because otherwise we're, we're going to be the ones continuing to pick up those costs because, you know, the residents we serve expect to have amenities. They expect to have fire halls and police stations and rec centers and libraries and parks. And, you know, the the alternative is not building those. And then all of the people moving into Kalmar, all of the people moving into Wetaskiwin, the 70,000 people that moved into Edmonton in just the last two years will not have the services and amenities that I think they expect. Is that right? 70,000 over the last two years? Just two years, just in Edmonton alone. Wow. So so here, so here, here's the guy, uh, the mayor of Wetaskiwin, joking around a little bit about why you're wearing your Grinch sweater. But but we do know, and, and, and you've established this as your track record, you got a big heart for people. You care a lot about people experiencing homelessness and, and you have, you've, you've hit head on the story around Wetaskiwin's crime problem that's been covered in the media. But also we know that you're a guy that winces a little bit when, when you say here in front of a microphone that your tax increase is almost at 6%. I know that bugs you a little bit. So so why don't you take us into the wrestling match between your ears and, and how council reaches that decision? Maybe some of the choices you had to make and maybe some things that weren't choices at all. Yeah, absolutely. Over the last couple of years, we've had uh, increases to RCMP. So when that goes up 25%, and then you've got a back pay of 25% for a contract that took six years to, to come together. Uh, inflation over the last few years, Federation of Canadian Municipalities has done uh, research on what it costs to bring a new residence on board in a community. It's about $107,000. So that alone 
isn't being recovered by the developer because municipalities want that growth. So it's a long-term investment in development in their communities to make sure that they're going to continue to grow. Um, we have infrastructure funding that has been steadily decreased over the last decade. We should be as base funding over $2.5 billion uh, as a base funding. And we're being presented with $722 million as base funding. So we've asked the provincial government for another billion dollars to help with that $30 billion infrastructure deficit that we have across the province. Um, and when we have school tax and seniors housing requisitions coming in, when we have fine um, traffic fines being cut, grants in place of taxes being cut, um, the, the continuous addition to what it costs to run a municipality without being backed or funded by the provincial government or even the federal government supporting mm -hmm. with that infrastructure, uh, there's no other place for it to come from. And it, it comes to tax increases on, on your homes, which again is making things way less affordable for people who are struggling as it is. And the cost of groceries have gone up, utility bills have gone up, everything continues to go up. And I don't see where people are getting a break. My wife came home from shopping a couple of weeks ago and, and I saw the bill and I saw how many groceries were included in that bill. And I, I just don't understand how a single family or a lower income family makes it when you're deciding whether or not you're going to buy groceries or pay utilities. That shouldn't be a, a coin flip at the end of the month for somebody to have to go through. And that stress, financial stress is brutal. Yeah. So I just, my, my heart breaks for, for anybody that's going through something like that and I don't know what the solution is, but you talk. You, you mentioned traffic fines being cut. You're, you're talking about the province, quote unquote, ending the war on cars by 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 essentially eliminating uh, a, lot, a lot of the locations where photo radar is deployed. Correct? Is not, that what you're no, talking not about? Not even the locations. It's the actual fine revenue that comes into a municipality. The province is taking more of that. Okay. Okay. So it's not, but, but there's, then there's two stories happening yep. because they are, I mean, especially in the city of Edmonton, you guys are, and we're probably on different sides of this, but, 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 but <laughs> yours is probably more pragmatic and for the greater good. And mine is just more bitching um, but, because I've always been pissed off at the cash cow things. And, and that's also counselor because I speed. And so I know that I can stop speeding and I would stop paying as much, but, but does that, how does that impact like smaller? Like does, has, does Calmar even, sorry, I sound like such an ignoramus here. <laughs> But like, what is it about few, few thousand, four thousand? How many people live in Calmar? Uh, Up ish. Twenty four hundred. Twenty five hundred. Okay, so so okay. so like, is photo radar ever around? Like, are, are things like this, or do you have your own? Do the smaller municipalities have completely different sets of issues in a lot of circumstances? You know, small communities do have have special um, issues, I think. But for the most part, all of our municipalities are more similar than we are different. Right. Um, we aren't actually able to have photo radar in communities under 5,000 people. But in Calmar, the fine revenue change um, does actually make a big difference to us. We have Highway 39 running right through our town. It's We actually have two highways, Highway 39 and Highway 795 connect right in the middle. Everywhere in Calmar is 30 kilometers an hour, except for those two highways, they're 50. But people come in and, and drive through our downtown at 80 kilometers an hour, which is clearly unsafe. So we have two CPO community peace officers who um, conduct their own speed issues, but we can't have radar. So, um, huh. is that like an initiative of the town of Calmar to have those CPOs? Like, is that a unique mm. solution that you've explored and implemented? I don't know if it's necessarily a unique solution, but it is something about, so Calmar, Calmar also is, um, provincially served by the RCMP. 
under a provincial policing service agreement that the detachment's actually out of the city of Leduc. And so we don't have our CMP coming that often through Kalmar. And so part of our solution to reduce crime, to to increase community safety, because that's actually the real important piece here, um, is is to hire additional community peace officers. And that's and that's a tax expense. Absolutely. Like it's a significant cost, actually, in our budget added on top of our police funding model that we're paying for. So, yeah, more, more, more average citizens are probably talking or at least thinking about policing this year than they have in past because, you know, there's been musing about replacing the RCMP with a provincial police force. How, you know, how serious or how not serious the provincial government is on this, we don't really know yet. But I know that Alberta municipalities has done a lot of legwork. You want to have been hearing from community members and talking to community leaders over the past year or so. You know, as we do this year in review exercise consensus, I, I mean, I happen to know basically was that communities aren't looking for it no they're not and i i've said this from the beginning i don't think changing the uniform or changing the sticker on the door increases safety in a community and so whether it's a provincial police service or the rcmp we have to have some kind of support and develop new processes for our police service to do better in our communities and we're dealing with far more mental health and addictions calls with our police services than we ever have before. And our police officers aren't trained for that. So it's nice to see programs like RPACT where they're bringing in um, nurses and and I don't know if it's necessarily psychologists, but somebody who's better trained in dealing with issues that aren't necessarily criminal. Yeah. And so Alberta municipalities doesn't, doesn't oppose a provincial police service. We just opposed what was being proposed by the provincial government. So we know that the contract police or the uh, the contract for policing ends in 2032 and we need some lead time working into that if we're going to make that transition we have to look at cities like Edmonton and Calgary who have uh, neighboring communities that might be able to do some regional policing and we have to to make that transition if that's what's going to happen to a provincial police service it doesn't happen overnight we're watching Surrey we're going to be able to see firsthand what's happening in Grand Prairie with their transition and I think that's laying the groundwork to see what's feasible and not feasible and don't get me wrong, I'm a, a huge advocate of our RCMP. I think they do tremendous work. So I'm not looking to make a, a switch. I'm looking to make sure that we're improving what we have currently. Yeah, it's, it's interesting talking to politicians about this because nobody wants to offend the RCMP. Like every, every, it's like every mayor, every reeve, every councillor is always like the RCMP has done a great job in our community. This isn't a shot at the RCMP, but you, you invoke the, the example in Grand Prairie. Now, not necessarily obviously a provincial service, but they're, they're rolling out a municipal police service. And, and uh, it was a unanimous vote on their council, right? Like we talked to councillor Dylan Bressy and, and mayor Jackie Clayton, and they're, they're really bullish on the, they're really excited about the idea. So different vibes in different communities. Interesting to hear you, you say that you're not necessarily against the idea you're just against how it's being proposed or the model that it's being proposed under for people that are assuming that this would be an issue of, of little relevance um, in a city like Edmonton that has its own police service what what might you tell them counselor well I think when it was being talked about more seriously uh, there was a conversation around what would the cost be to do that because yes you're right we have our own police service a number of some municipalities have their own police service so we might not be impacted in the day-to-day operations but if there's a cost to do this transition and the report showed there was a pretty substantial cost guess who's paying for that every Albertan including the ones that already have their own municipal police service so I think part of our concern was if we're going to have some type of transition we're going to do some body of work and again maybe the current model isn't perfect 
but let's make sure we're actually engaging everyone. There was talk around if we we're going to make that switch, should there be a referendum? And there was even a debate as to whether Calgary and Edmonton should have a vote in that. Well, if it's going to be a cost to Edmontonians and the Calgarians and all Albertans, everyone should have a vote. So that's where it actually would have made a big difference in the other cities. Yeah, and it's what's exciting in Alberta right now is you, you get to decide whether or not referendums even need to be binding. <laughs> we can hold referendums and then we can just move on anyway, right? I, I say it facetiously. Um, we're, we're, we're hanging out. That was uh, Councillor Andrew Nack out of Edmonton that you're hearing from. Councillor Krista Gardner out of Kalmar and the, the mayor of Wetaskiwin, who's the president of Alberta Municipalities, Tyler Gandam with us. Everything that we're talking about, you'll find background information, you know, uh, great depth of detail uh, on the website. That's abmunis.ca. We'll, we'll pop that into the show notes. I want to give each of you like a 10 minute heads up in approximately 10 minutes from now. Santa will arrive. No, uh, in about 10 minutes from now, I'm going to ask you what was the top in your mind uh, in the context of Alberta municipalities what was the top political story or what was the top story of 2023 i'm I'm going to ask you that coming up in about 10 minutes one of the big stories i think that's just sort of like flying under the radar because the general public hasn't really wrapped its mind around it doesn't really think too much about it because there's not a municipal election looming but all the politicos all the the geeks and nerds that listen to this show and that's a compliment real talkers that's a compliment geeks and nerds like us are very intrigued at what the integration of political parties into the municipal level might look like. As a matter of fact, it was one of the bigger talkers, I would say, for politicos of 2023. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's interesting for us. At a municipal level, we deal with infrastructure, we deal with potholes, we deal with recreation, we deal with um, service groups in our community. And at None of those decisions, in my mind, have ever been politically driven in terms of a party that you align with. So whether you wear orange pajamas or blue pajamas, it doesn't matter. Fix my road. Yeah. But if you wear blue pajamas, maybe you get a few more dollars to fix the road. That's the implication, right? Like, like is it is it a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory or is it like the darts pretty close to the center of the board? looking at this and suspecting that maybe this current provincial government might be open to the idea because they look at a council like Edmonton's that has a reputation for leaning a little more left or for being more of a progressive council. And they see opportunity there by by integrating political parties, partisan influence into the municipal level that it could have potentially a different outcome. I mean, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I don't think you put a question in a survey asking Albertans, uh, are you okay with the idea of having a party uh, attached to somebody's name on the ballot if you're not seriously considering going forward with that idea? So it's not a conspiracy. It's it's very much a real, uh, and I'm going to use the word threat, um, because Alberta Municipalities as an organization has been quite clear that that is not something anyone is asking for. We did a, a survey, we commissioned a poll through Janet Brown, you know, one, the, pretty much the best in the business on this. And it was clear Albertans do not want political parties in municipal politics. And one of the biggest reasons for that, I think it was around 80% or so of people saying that if you have political parties at the local level, what's going to happen is that those elected representatives will be more loyal to the party than the people that they represent. 100%. And that's and that's the threat in this, right? I mean, I, this is the point I've raised before. But who looks at the current provincial system or the current federal system and says, "Oh yeah, I want that in my municipality"? 
Nobody, because the system is so broken. You can't, you know, if you're on this side of the spectrum or this side of the spectrum, you can't come together anymore and have a real conversation. At the local level, that's what we do every day. You look at our council in Edmonton, you look at almost every other local council across this province, and there are people who are going to lean left. There are going to be people who are going to lean right. And you know what we do? We come to the table like this. We talk about issues. We listen to one another with an actual open mind, and then we make decisions that we think are best for the city. We won't always agree, but guess what? At least we're hearing each other out. And understanding different perspectives. That doesn't happen provincially or federally right now. And that's why that idea needs to be tossed out as quickly as humanly possible. Huh. Do, do you think it would change anything like demonstrably in Kalmar? If it, if it was like NDP candidates running against conservative candidates, you know what the what the like assumption is, because we've seen it a million times in our live chat. People say, especially in rural areas, they say this is just a ticket for guaranteed conservative councils in every rural municipality in Alberta. I, I mean, it's actually kind of funny. I brought that up with our surrounding county and they were like, oh, no worries. Conservative, conservative, conservative. It'd be fine. I yeah, like you already know who everybody would run for. You know, I, I think that one of the things most I would say most people who get involved in municipal politics are not actually politicians per se. We are people who care about our community. We're, we're literally the definition of public servants. And so to have to introduce parties as a as a you know, an obligation to somebody who's maybe funding you or or having established party lines on issues takes away from that ability to actually serve your public, right? The people who the people who elected you and, and in each community, the issues are different, right? The the like they're similar, but the context for Calmar is going to be different than the context for Edmonton. And I want to be able to make decisions to make the argument for what I think is best for my actual people and not necessarily what that translates to at a higher level and they think well these are the answers that's maybe not my answers huh. right can i uh, like I, I might look ignorant here because i don't know how this would work but but let, let's say that they changed the law and let's say that this is you know this change could completely alters the landscape for the next municipal election um and then all of a sudden you're going to have ucp candidates ndp candidates and ridings you'd probably have a green candidate uh you know who knows uh but like could you also run independently? Like if you're the incumbent, you're the you're the mayor, you're you're quite, po you know, you're a popular mayor. You, you feel confident in, in your community support. Could people still run as independents? Yeah, absolutely. So you, you would probably have a, a good number of incumbents running as independents unless they were afraid they were going to lose. Right. Like in Edmonton. So I'd be curious to see in Edmonton because you, you could be an incumbent, but then you get an NDP sanctioned, you know, an, an, ND, an official NDP candidate in, in a real strong NDP riding. You might get burned. Like, would you feel pressure, do you think, to, to run under a party banner? No, but that's because I hate the partisan system. But I think so for you, most are people, you right would. now saying that absolutely you would oh, not? Absolutely not. Yeah, I would not run for a political party uh, in municipal politics. That's just, again, it goes back to that point that you have to be accountable to the folks you represent, not a party. And right now, this partisan system is designed that you do what the party says, not what the people say. Huh. Uh, and But there would be a huge threat. I, I might be the exception to the rule because if you introduce political parties, are they allowed to share voter lists? Are they allowed to share financial resources? Because staffers, that, staffers, 
And does that put the independent candidate at a disadvantage? Because right now you can run as a slate. There's nothing stopping somebody from running as a slate. There was a little bit of that even last municipal election. But you can't share resources between that. So if you formalize it and you allow people to share resources, now the independent candidates are put at a disadvantage and are not given the same opportunities as folks running for parties. Okay. Uh, You've all had your fair warning. When we come back in like 90 seconds from now, your top political story or your top story impacting Alberta municipalities of 2023. It's our year in review, Real Talk Roundtable, and it doesn't happen without Real Talk partners. And right now, I'm really excited to tell you about effing seafoods. Uh, That's effingseafoods.com, E-F-F-I-N-G, a promo code for everybody who's looking to elevate what they're putting in front of their family and friends, their loved ones this holiday season. You'll have the turkey. You'll probably have the pierogies, maybe the ham. But what about oysters, lobster, caviar, crab legs, Arctic char? I mean, the list goes on. And you can get it fresh or frozen at 15% off using the promo code JESPO15 at effingseafoods.com. That's JESPO15, all one word. It applies to all effing fresh and effing frozen products. They've got the effing ultimate bakes for two or four people. You can learn more on the website, effingseafoods.com. Why not start the new year with a new career opportunity? The team at Kubi Renewable Energy, the fastest growing solar installer in Western Canada, and they want to say hello to you, Lethbridge. They've got a big hiring blitz going on in southern Alberta right now. Add that on top of what's happening in Edmonton and Calgary and Kamloops. It's a great opportunity to elevate your career in the dynamic world of solar energy. They're looking for project managers, electricians, technologists, professional engineers, administrative professionals, sales professionals, and more. It's a rewarding journey at Kubi Renewable Energy where expertise meets opportunity. And if you're maybe not right there yet, uh, career opportunities are on your mind, but first you want to school up, but you know that a brick and mortar university, a nine to five schedule just isn't going to work for you. We recommend you take two minutes to check out Canada's open university at AthabascaU.ca. Athabasca University offers world-class accredited online degrees and courses that allow you to complete your education wherever and whenever it works for you. Your only commute is to your device. And the numbers don't lie. Check this out. 94% of AU alumni say they're satisfied with the quality of their education. More than 92% of them say that they're in a job related to their field of study. There are very, very few universities that see numbers like that. Get your journey started today at AthabascaU.ca. We're hanging out with Tyler Gandam, the mayor of Wetaskiwin, the president of Alberta Municipalities, Krista Gardner, a councillor out of Calmars, the director for Towns West, and Andrew Knack, a councillor, of course, out of Edmonton, the director of cities over 500,000. Prez, in your mind, the top story impacting Alberta Municipalities in 2023, what is it? $30 billion infrastructure deficit. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, we've got communities right now that are running on some underground infrastructure. We just replaced ours in Wetaskiwin about 10 years ago that was turn of the century, early 1900s. So you're talking water, sewer. Water, sewer, and then road sidewalks, making sure we've got recreation that's available, fire halls, um, everything that goes on in a municipality. The provincial government has a great campaign going on right now that Alberta is calling, and we're trying to attract new residents to Alberta. And if we can't make our communities attractive to people coming into Alberta, 
they're not going to come. And if we don't have the infrastructure in place for our new residents, then it's going to fail miserably. With every time, if Edmonton has 70,000 people over the last two years, well, we need schools and we need healthcare that go along with that, not just houses in the ground. So based on our lack of funding for infrastructure province-wide, I think that's probably our biggest hill that we're climbing right now and making sure that both our provincial government understand what that means to our communities. Because I mean, we keep hearing there's only one taxpayer. Well, then if we don't get the infrastructure dollars from the province or from the federal government, then we're making our homeowners or new homeowners that are coming into the community pay for things that are old, or we've got people who have been living in a community for 30 or 40 years paying for something that's new. And I don't think it's fair. We need to make sure that we've got some balanced growth going on and that we're attractive to the rest of the world while we're trying to attract all these new residents. How would you describe your relation? I'm talking about Alberta municipalities, the relationship with the province, the, the Minister of Municipal Affairs, uh, Minister McIver, the, the Premier. Do, do you get the sense? I mean, are, are, are these realities? Uh, I don't want to call them cries for help, but you're definitely demanding attention on this issue. You didn't think twice when asked about the top story. Uh, are they falling on deaf ears? Are they receptive? Is it a chicken and the egg thing where they figure the more people come, the bigger the tax base, then they'll pony up. Like, what's the vibe? It's it's a little bit of both. I would say that the relationship is definitely getting better. We had Minister McIver with our board yesterday, spent an hour with us, and we had the opportunity to talk about the issues that we have as an association. I also had dinner with him last week, and we got to spend a couple hours together, and we weren't talking about work. We were getting to know each other and building that relationship. That's good. That uh, didn't used to happen a couple years ago. Right. So I think that's really important. And that was something we talked about when we were on the show before the election for me to become president was, I'm a relationship guy. I want to make sure that we're building those relationships, and it's going to be a long time. Um, it's going to be a lot of work to go into it to make sure that it happens. But I want them to know that we are absolutely partners in this moving forward. And we're not always going to agree. And Minister McIver, who is a former municipal elected, understands that. And he understands the, the game, for lack of a better term, of when the province rolls something out that we need to to object to it or forcibly object to it. And, and I don't think that that's always the case. I think it's better to have that conversation. And if we don't agree on something, we can have that conversation. But in public, we're still going to have to be partners and we're going to have to work together moving forward. There's going to be things that they decide that they want to do that we don't necessarily agree with. And same thing with municipalities. Municipalities are making decisions on behalf of their residents and the provincial government might not agree with it, but they need to understand that we have a way better understanding of our residents than uh, provincial government would. And the needs that we need in a community comes down to that infrastructure and making sure that we're attractive. Councillor Gardner, your top story of 2023. Well, really a similar vein as, as Tyler's. I was going to say our ask for $1.75 billion for infrastructure funding. So we had um, overwhelming support from our members for an emergent resolution at our convention in September. Um, this this is the number one issue in municipalities is that we don't have enough funding and we don't want to, to jack our property taxes up to be able to pay for things. And when you look at the percentage of tax that you pay provincially, federally, and then municipally, we are doing the most amount of work with the least amount of money. Right. And, and that $30 billion infrastructure deficit is a real problem that people can actually see in their communities. And, and we've done a lot of work around making them understand some of the stuff that they can't see, because you never think about the fact of like, how old are your water pipes? 
how old are your sewer pipes? As long as the toilet flushes, do you care? Yeah. <laughs> but we care uh, passionately about all of those kinds of things. You care as soon as they fail, I can tell you that. Right? <laughs> that, that you notice when it's not working and we're looking down the line and thinking, okay, but what do we need five years from now? And what do we need 10 years from now? And, and what do we need tomorrow if we're going to have all of these people moving to Alberta? How do we build houses without additional infrastructure? We can't. Like, yeah. So, so that's the biggest thing for me is that we need we need more funding. Seven seven hundred twenty two million dollars is not enough infrastructure funding. It's just not. It's so it's so strange when you're talking about politics because I'm about to allow to escape from my mouth. One point seven five billion isn't that much, which is a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say. It's obviously a ton of dough, but at the same time, I mean, we had the province's mid year fiscal update mm -hmm. released just like uh, what like a week, a couple weeks ago. I think it was the end of November. Mm -hmm. um, you know, showing that the the projected surplus this year, provincial surplus, has has more than doubled to five. And a half billion. So you're 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 talking about like you know thirty percent uh, ish of the surplus uh, that you're looking for. Like it it, it is a, a significant amount of money. It's a huge amount of money for municipalities to have to come up with or to tax out of their citizens. Um, but at the same time, it, it it's you know when you look at the grand scheme of the provincial budget, it, it's it's not an outrageous ask. No, and, and again, back to that notion of, and we all love using that phrase, there's only one taxpayer. So we have paid provincial taxes that have resulted in a surplus. So why are we having to essentially double tax folks because we're not paying for that piece. So so yeah, there's a huge piece to this of, of not actually fulfilling, I think, what is, what is necessary. Um, and, and when I look at that money, I guess when I, when I think about that surplus, Think about your own household or think about your studio. If there was a hole in your roof and you had a surplus in your budget and you didn't fix that hole in your roof, you'd start to ask questions like, what are you doing? Like, what's the plan? Yeah. If you've got if you got a hole in your roof, if your furnace is out right now uh, and you've got money to to use to help replace those things, then let's get that done. That's what we're and we want to be partners. Right. I mean, uh, you asked that question about what's our relationship. Minister, Mr. McIver is fantastic. He's such a great guy. He really understands. Widely respected. Yeah. And, and so let's develop a plan together about how we're going to deal with both the deficit that we're facing uh, across this province for infrastructure and how we're going to deal with the massive growth that is happening right now each and every day across almost every municipality in this province you know why we don't have holes in our roof is because we got complete care restoration to build the place that's that's why there's no holes in the roof so from a political strategy standpoint let me ask you like as a you're, you're not like i mean you are elected officials yourselves you're representing elected municipal government so you're certainly not a lobby group but you kind of are you're a collective it's it's an association of municipalities representing literally millions of albertans right hundreds and hundreds of thousands how is is it part just like of a messaging uh challenge because because when councillor knack says you know the province has already taxed people to the point of a surplus now we're double taxing them that seems to me to be a very effective message to splash up onto a billboard and say ask danielle smith why she's double taxing you Right. I mean, like ask the conservative premier why you're being double taxed presented by Alberta municipalities. Like, is it just a messaging thing for the public? Could public pressure go a long way? And do you think making sure that these infrastructure projects are getting built and sewer pipes aren't collapsing? I think public pressure definitely needs to be a part of that as well. Uh, collectively, our voices are much stronger. And that's the reason that we have the association. We've got over 260 municipalities who are members. 260. That's, we, rep we represent 85 wow. percent of Alberta's population. 
And so I think collectively, if we get the opportunity to share those needs, and Chris has spoke to that, our, our residents don't know about our underground infrastructure until it fails. And it's really important that we stay on top of those things and make sure that they're going to be functioning and ready to go for the next 20 years. Yeah. And it's also not sexy to invest in that stuff, which makes it tough to sell, right? Like if it's a new rec center, an arena, a playground, everybody loves that transit expansion. Most people love that, but new sewer lines, nobody really sees them, but no, they it's cost an, it's a an ton. In, and it's an inconvenience because the road shut down for months yeah. at a time. So yeah, we definitely need the support of our residents to make sure that our messaging gets through because if we keep saying it and it, it gets ignored or it's not picked up by our general public, it, then it's, I think, then I think it's easy for the government to, to kind of sidestep and not make a priority. But I do think and I do feel that we're making a change in that type of relationship and that the government is listening. Like I said, we had Minister McIver there for an hour to be able to talk about some of the issues that we have. We're not always going to agree. And of course, there's going to be that that uh, difference of opinion of what a priority is. But sooner or later, they're going to have to come up with the funds for uh, a new province of 10 million or 20 million where we're growing at that kind of rate over the next 25, 30 years. Yeah. Well, it's a tough look too. If you've, if you've, if you've uh, dangled the carrot and invited Canadians from coast to coast to coast to move here, and then some of them start leaving because they're not getting the services they need, et cetera. This is flowing beautifully. This is like, we're all having coffee together, but I think <laughs> amid the momentum, I forgot, or I have not yet asked you, uh, Councillor Knack, what your top story of 2023 well, is. Did I ask? No, you didn't. Are you going to stick with the same theme? Yeah, but I'll use it. I'll bring in one additional lens to this, right? I think about uh, what we're dealing with across municipalities for uh, things like affordable housing and supportive housing. It's an issue that isn't just an Edmonton issue, right? Sometimes people think, oh, this is just happening in Edmonton and Calgary, but there's conversations in Wetaskiwin about shelter spaces. There's conversations in other communities about recovery centers that are getting built. And, and like everything else we just talked about, there isn't enough right now to address the issues that we're seeing. We're seeing, and and thank goodness the weather is what it is this year, because there isn't enough space for people to go in communities of all sizes who are experiencing homelessness. And, and what does that mean? Again, back to that point of, do we have enough shelter spaces? Do we have enough permanent housing where you're getting 24-7 wraparound supports? Do we have enough recovery centers, which the province are starting to build, and those are great spaces, but are they being built quick enough to help respond to the needs that we're seeing over and over again? And how are they working together with communities to develop those plans? Because while it is technically their jurisdiction, right? Housing, shelters, mental health and addictions, it's all their jurisdiction. We want to be active partners with them. Uh, and, and, and so we need to make sure again if we're seeing that infrastructure gap being addressed then you're addressing all of those things including addressing this serious issue that we're seeing across the province huh i i want to get to the live chat real quick here it is booming this morning and ken is not wrong when he says hold the phone on that surplus uh, says the second quarter estimate is big. We're talking about oil prices, uh, 79 bucks. West Texas Intermediate says uh, since that came out, prices have come down. Every dollar of WTI varies the budget outcome uh, between 600 to 900 million either way. He's absolutely right on that. Um, interesting comment from David who says, listen, we need to pay down debt. Um, it's easy to say just spend the money, uh, but our cost, I know you want to get in on this, Andrew. Uh, David says our cost of debt servicing has already doubled. That's money that goes out and does nothing. Yes, you got to pay down your debt. But when your house is on fire, do you worry about paying down your debt or do you fix the problem? I'm not saying go into more debt. We're saying address the real issue. I mean, and again, I don't want to make light of this. People are dying on, just from a housing perspective, right? People are dying because there isn't enough affordable and supportive housing. 
less serious than that, there are communities that are getting built where there aren't enough schools, where there isn't enough uh, access to health services. And so if you don't have those things, yes, you also got to pay down your debt. So don't you don't have to use every dollar of a $5.5 billion surplus to address um, to address what we're talking about right Just now. Just 1.75. Just $1.75 <laughs> billion. And then let's continue to pay down and let's develop a long-term plan of how we're going to address the rest. But but let's not get so caught up in that piece because when you actually are not addressing the basic day-to-day needs of the people that we all represent, that's a serious issue. Uh, Denny on the chat says, perhaps when municipalities have to ask for more from ratepayers, talking about you know property tax increases, says maybe they should identify the increase as a provincial shortfall on the assessment. That's I know some municipalities tool. did that with the uh, RCMP contract. They they singled out exactly what it was and how that came to be. They're doing that in different um, different reserves that they're putting into or different levy, levies that they're bringing in is that um, this is an infrastructure reserve levy or this is for this project. So they are breaking it down a little bit more um, to show where that money is going. But it also comes down to your... your uh, your budget and your open houses and how you're conveying that information to your residents, making sure they understand where the dollars are going to getting your assessment in the spring and then seeing your tax bill and being upset about your tax bill, not realizing your assessment went up. Well, you have to do a little bit of due diligence yourself too, if you don't agree with what your house is worth and why that tax went up. So if it's a 5.5% tax increase, but you're seeing a bigger increase than that, then ask some of those questions and get involved at the local level and make sure you're talking to your mayors and councillors so that you do have a better understanding and not when the house is on fire, then you start asking questions as to how could I prevent my house from being on fire? Let's start those conversations early. Let's have uh, community members get involved with their local politicians, with their mayors and councils, and be better equipped to help them in their advocacy for the needs that you have in your community. We talked to uh, Dr. Paul Parks yesterday. Uh, so that would have been the, uh, the um, oh, geez, December 14th episode of Real Talk for people looking for it. Um, talked to, he's the president of the Alberta Medical Association. Also checked in with the VP of the Alberta Dental Association as well. Uh, Dr. Jenny Yaremko joining us uh, about different things, obviously on the healthcare front, the front line. There's been a lot of talk about nurse practitioners um, over this these past several months as the province has essentially invited um, those, you know, well-qualified nurses to consider opening their own clinics in, in a, you know, a, a shot at addressing the family doctor crunch. And a lot of people are invoking rural communities um, as areas where this may have an even bigger impact than, than writ large across the province. Uh, your take on, on that and, and bigger picture, um, the healthcare crunch in, in rural parts of the province? You know, one of the, the biggest issues about being in rural Alberta is having to travel to to be able to access services. So so anything we can do to bring those people right into those communities is is such a benefit because, I mean, in Kalmar, which is not not very far, we are part of the greater Edmonton area. Um, we have we have a doctor's office in Kalmar. Most people can't see them. They're full. So you have to drive into into Leduc. Most places in Leduc are not accepting new patients. Where do you go? 
right? So I think that we need to we need to be working on bringing these things into our communities and to having them closer to home so that people can access them and to keep our smaller communities viable. It's not sustainable if you have to leave your town every single time you need something. Yeah, like it's understandable if you're having brain surgery that you're not going to get it in Calmar, but it'd Fair. be pretty awesome to have a it'd be pretty awesome to have a family doctor there. And then my thinking is because because I'm really good at uh, solving things at a really high level where there's actually no details that have to be covered and you don't have to worry about it, you don't have to implement it. So I'd be a, I'd be a very lousy city councilor. I just have the big I'm the ideas guy. But part of me goes, well, listen to you talking about Calmar and the great opportunity there and and the the the, the, the real estate a little bit lower, but you can still get into the Oilers game in four, 35 minutes and you're not that far away and you can get a quart of milk whenever you need it, et cetera, et cetera. And you go, well, then why wouldn't you just dangle a carrot to somebody graduating out of the U of A medical school and bring them into Calmar? But it's probably a little bit easier said than done. You know, that's that's what we did, though. The doctors that we have in Calmar, the town paid for their rent on their building for, I think, close to 10 years. Um, and so we're sp- we're spending our ratepayers' money in order to bring them these services, despite the fact that that's not actually a municipal responsibility. Yeah. So that is a perfect example of downloading um, from the province. So so lots of our municipalities are working hard. They're they're providing uh, rental spaces or things like that for nurse practitioners to come in. They're working with clinics. They're owning the buildings. They're running this stuff. They're doing the attraction work. That's not actually our job (laughs) to be perfectly blunt right but we do it because we are community builders and we care about our people yeah i I wonder if there's a young person from from calmar among the kids that are currently laying on mattresses uh in the hallways at the stollery children's hospital because their capacity is way over uh, same as the royal alex Mm -hmm. i'm sure same as the Miz and every other hospital in edmonton and in calgary and in every other community doesn't matter if we're talking about 2500 people in calmar or just under a million in edmonton we feel that healthcare crunch what's what's the relevance or the application to this conversation counselor yeah, I think, again, it goes back to that point of, of when we talk about that $1.75 billion infrastructure need, that's municipal infrastructure. Then there's the separate infrastructure around uh, healthcare facilities, schools, which is there's a whole other demand there. And so that's that's something we need to see addressed because the work that Kelmar did is, again, not not. Uh, they're not the only municipality doing that work right now. Small municipalities across this province are constantly trying to fill in the gaps as best they can. Um, and and we need mm-hmm. to work together with the order of government that is responsible for those areas to try to help address those in a meaningful way. Yeah. Um, is it, it's not really an option. Like I applaud Calmar, by the way. I don't know if that was a controversial move or maybe you broke the news on Real Talk today about covering <laughs> the rents for these physicians over the next 10 years. But what the hell are you going to do? I mean, it's competitive. First of all, there's recruitment. Then there's retention. Uh, you got to keep them. You, you you ideally want doctors that if they're choosing family life, want to raise their family in these communities and, and see people from the cradle to the grave, so to speak, if, if the career works out that way. Edmonton can't do something like that. The city can't offer to cover the rent of 150 new family docs, can you? I mean, I mean, we could again, but well, again, sure you that, could. But then it's more property taxes, and again, this is what property taxes are filling. But the do gap conversations on. like this happen around the council? No, table? we try to we try to really lean into advocacy as from a big city perspective. Because if we tried to do that, I just don't think we would have the capacity to do that and manage every other issue that we're dealing with as a city. Well, and right physicians now. currently. 
currently paying rent would flip their lids. Exactly. Right. There's a fairness element to this as well. And so uh, for Edmonton, we want to try to stay out other than to make sure that there are appropriate number of facilities. You mentioned the stallery and people on, on you know, mats and there aren't enough spaces right now. We're finally the Misericordia had had their expansion of their emergency space. The new space is being built in South Edmonton, but we're still way behind where we need to be for emergency facilities. Um, we, we should point out, uh, you know, your, your Twitter handle uh, is is Captain Gandam CPT. So for people that don't know, I haven't mentioned it yet today. You've, you've also been a firefighter for many, many years. Um, so so you're aware of things around first response. And, and one of the issues I would say that has faded from public discourse over the past year, not to say it's not relevant anymore, is ambulance response times and dispatch. And can, can you bring us up to speed on on this year in review where we're at with that? Our association, along with RMA, work with the provincial government on trying to find some new new ways of, of operating our EMS through AHS. Um, they've got a 10-point plan on what they're going to be working on over the next little while, but it's a, that's a huge issue. Fire departments on a municipal level who are either paid on call or part-time are covering off for AHS shortfalls, whether there's a delay in response or there's red alerts where there just isn't an ambulance available. And now you've got paid on call or volunteer firefighters that are showing up to, to do the little things like hold somebody's hand while we wait for an ambulance or full on CPR, AED, or administering Narcan or Naloxone. So they're, they're being called to do way more than what they should be in a system where we're spending 25 or $26 billion on healthcare to ensure that the four plus million Albertans are looked after. And I don't think healthcare wise, especially with EMS, that our, our residents know how dangerous it is sometimes when your community doesn't have an ambulance and you're responding or relying on a response from your local fire department, your, your local auto mechanic, your local uh, real estate agent, whatever it happens to be, is is leaving work to come and respond to your emergency because there's a shortage on on EMS. And I don't know what the solution is. I hope they find something really soon. But it's a scary, scary time to have an emergency in Alberta. I talked to an Edmonton firefighter a short time ago that works in a in a <clears throat> let's say a central hall. I don't want to get too specific. Uh, exhaustion in his eyes, and he said, "All we do is Medicals. respond to drug poisonings." Yeah. He said, "That's all we." do we're not talking about it enough are we nope not at all i, I one of the big reasons that i'm a, an advocate for a homeless shelter in Watasco to make sure that those social supports are in place to address the mental health and addictions is as a funeral director of 20 years and, and a just newly retired fire captain um i have gone and and picked people up who have died to elements or drug poisonings or else i've been the one doing cpr administering administering narcan or naloxone and one of the things they don't teach you when they're teaching you CPR is what do you do when somebody opens their eyes and, and looks back at you and there's it's happening way too often and way more than any municipality would care to admit, but we've we've got a real problem. The same firefighter also told me, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Councillor Knack, maybe you know about this, maybe you don't. He told me that they're recategorizing these calls now. They're not necessarily being... Uh, categorized as drug poisonings anymore. There being uh, could be cardiac arrest, unresponsive things like that. His his theory is that they're doing that to tamp down the statistics. Do you do you happen to know about that at all? I hadn't heard that specific piece, but we actually uh, one of my colleagues, Councillor Joanne Wright, did a mo made a motion, and we'll see something back early in the new year around really digging into the, how much 
our firefighters are responding to medical calls. We know it's around 70% already, but we want to dig into those numbers. What does that make up? How much is drug poisonings? How much is other elements of this? But we know that they're doing so much work that that wasn't originally what folks got into firefighting for. Yes. Uh, and so we need to better understand that and have a full understanding of what's happening, not just in Edmonton, but across the province. Uh, you, I promised I would have you not late for your meeting, which starts in three minutes. So, right. so, so what I want to do here is I'll <laughs> let people know there's Alberta municipalities and we you know did a bit of digging and working with your team is, is you know, an unbelievable team behind the scenes as well. You can check out more at abmunis.ca. Learn more about what this group has been doing on extended producer responsibility, working closely with the Alberta Recycling Management Authority, doing a ton uh, on family and community social services, getting a bit of a budget bump there, but but not enough. Uh, the Future Municipal Government Project, a clean energy improvement program. You can find all the resources at abmunis.ca. We, we like to wrap our roundtables by giving this audience uh, the, the best talk audience in the country, easily the most engaged, something to think about, something to walk with, something to chew on. Uh, before we thank you for your time, Councillor Nack, why don't you go first? I think what we want people to be thinking about is what do we do as we're growing as a province? It's a message we've talked about all throughout today's, but really think about that as we're growing, we're seeing tens of thousands of new people, hundreds of thousands of new people call Alberta home. How do we make sure we're prepared to support everyone and make sure we're building a great quality of life for everyone? I want people to think about that. Okay, we've got a soundproof booth right outside our green room. <laughs> if you need to take a call, why don't you, you why don't you go ahead and do that? And thank you. Look I at will. this. The, the work of a, of a municipally elected official is never done. Uh, Councillor Knack, easily going to be the sharpest dressed uh, councillor at that Edmonton uh, meeting. Uh, councillor Gardner, what, what's, when, when we ask you for, for you know, a, a parting message, so to speak, to launch us into 2024, what might it be? I I want people maybe to think when you're hearing all these news about what, what your property tax increase is going to be, because most people are finishing up their budgets right now, to, to not just go immediately to, I can't believe they're increasing my, my taxes and jacking my things, but think about why, why that is. Where is the money going? What do they need? What does your community need? Um, because this is sort of across the board that we're all raising property taxes as a result of all of the things we've talked about, but not just to to be irate about it. <laughs> and maybe you come and, and you have a cup of coffee with me if you live in Kalmar or you you stop Tyler at the grocery store. Maybe don't do that. He doesn't he doesn't like that. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I do actually like that. That's one of the reasons I love being in a small community is I'm going to totally hijack this a little bit. Yes. When I first moved to Wetaskiwin, my mom is originally from Wetaskiwin, okay. and a five-minute grocery trip would take us 30 minutes because she'd stop and talk to everybody. It used to drive me crazy when I was 12 years old. Yeah. And then I... Man, that was like us trying yeah. to leave church back in the day uh, when I was yeah. a kid. We were always uh, the last family in the foyer. And right. now I go to the grocery store because I get the opportunity <laughs> to stop and talk to people. Yeah. So I, I, I respectfully... <laughs> disagree with you. Tyler loves it. I, love I also stopping. I also love it. Um that's that's one of the beauties about about why I say that like I'm not a politician. I'm I'm a community builder, right? That's my job. I'm here to talk to people and to help them. And I want I want you all to think though about when you get your property tax bill, where does that money go? Because your elected officials could tell you, probably down to the dollar. So so really think about that about what is it that you need in your community? What do you want in your community? How do you help us help you so go out and think about that over christmas <laughs> yeah if anything i mean i know you don't want to like if there's anything i've known about public availability right people coming up and saying hi is you do you appreciate it because the people typically that are going to come up and say hi are the people that are your biggest supporters those are the people that are that are really cheering for you or they've got a real axe to grind they've got a real problem mm -hmm. and you never want to be dismissive you, you want you, you, you need to hear people out. You want to thank them. You want to make eye contact. You want to shake their hand, take a photo, whatever the case may be. 
But also in this circumstance, I feel like elected officials like you, if people are coming up to you to complain or to gripe or, or to provide feedback, let's say about property tax increases, I know you don't want to be dismissive, but you do have a bit of a quick out, which is don't talk to us, talk to the province. And I know that people sort of have this thing about politicians where it's always going to be somebody else downloading or passing <laughs> downloading the buck. or passing the buck, right? When you when you talk about you know homeless shelters and people are going to go, well, it's not us, it's the province, it's not the province, it's the feds, it's not the feds, it's the municipalities. Everybody's got their own take on it, and people can be slippery, right? <laughs> but it, but at the end of the day, it seems to me that in this case with property tax increases, I get it if every municipality was paving its streets with gold, but that's just not the case right now. But but. Maybe you're not necessarily looking for the so-called easy out on the grocery store interactions. No, not at all. If you're respectful and want to have a conversation, I'll sit down with absolutely anybody. Sure. But as soon as you come at me sideways, I don't have any time for you. And you can come up with whatever story you want. If I've ever walked out of a meeting with you, which has only happened once, um, I, I'm a super nice guy. Can you and tell if, us that story? And if I'm not, there's probably a reason. There's it? probably a reason for it. Cool. I was newly elected. Um, and sat down with one of my residents and we were talking about things and he'd ask me a question and I'd answer it and he'd write the note. And then he'd ask me another question. I say, okay, I'll get back to you. And then he'd ask me another question. And then I started seeing the notes he was writing. He wasn't writing down what I was telling him. He was writing down what he wanted to hear. Right. So we weren't having a conversation. So I asked him, I said, if you're going to ask me a question, at least, you know, listen to the answer that I have or wait until I can get you some information. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally dismissed me and kept going back to writing down what he wanted to write down. And I said, there's no point in meeting in this for us meeting. So I got up and walked away. And so a, a loud conversation ensued as we walked out of city hall and was asked if this is the mayor I'm going to be and whatever. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I said, I'm not going to sit here and talk to somebody who's already got their mind made up regardless of what conversation or what I have for answers. There are set, definitely some things that I don't have the answers for, and I will get that for you. But not at the expense of you just coming up with whatever you want. So I felt really bad for the staff in the front of City Hall there as we left City Hall having a, a louder discussion <laughs> that probably should have been. But don't like have a conversation. Let's find things out. And that's that's my takeaway for all of this. If you live in a municipality and you don't know your mayor and you don't know your members of council, reach out to them, have a conversation. And mm -hmm. especially to today in this day and age of social media and everybody being bashed and and taking a, a rumor and running with it like don't let facts ruin a good story get to know your members of council and have those conversations because it makes it way easier later on to actually get information the problem is that people don't want information they that doesn't sell that doesn't get you the likes on social media if you're sharing a story about how we raise property taxes because we had a 25 percent increase to an rcmp contract well Let's have a conversation about that and let's understand that a little bit better than just taking to social media and talking about how all your municipalities, members of councils are crooks and all their cronies are, are just screwing the city over. And that's, that is not the case. And when it happens, you get the municipal government involved and, and things like Chestermere happen, which is a whole other probably We didn't even touch on that. The province, for people that don't know, basically dissolved. Not the entire council. A few, few councillors kept their four job. Counsel, four but the mayor booted out. Yeah. Councillors booted out. And three administrators. That's wild. Which, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday. If you've got a... Uh, there's a feeling that the government has overreaching power and they're they're flexing their their muscle is not the case at all. They they had a situation that they tried to resolve, couldn't resolve it, and for the betterment of the municipality for that community, they took action. Uh, we heard a story yesterday where there's another municipality who is 
brand new council from top to bottom, uh, new administration. They're struggling. They got it was pointed out that they were doing a bunch of things wrong, and they said, "Can you help us, please?" So now you've got a provincial government helping a, a council and administration learn how to do their jobs, which is exactly what they're there for. So they're not there to make enemies and and try to to kick everybody out who doesn't agree with them. They're willing to work with people no different than we are willing to work with people. So give us give us the benefit of the doubt, I guess, is my my takeaway from that. Huh. What what was the scuttlebutt like with with uh, your you and your fellow elected officials when all that went down in Chestermere? Like I I remember and you hear you hear Gandam here saying saying you know essentially I, I don't know if you want to say you supported the province in that but you you sound like you're not you're not Criticizing the move, it sounds like it was a necessary move. It was a completely dysfunctional scenario. Dysfunctional scenario. From the outside looking in, I think the province did what they had to do. Yeah, but it, but it's also remarkable. Like, well, the, what did you think when you saw the it? The response was, "Holy cow, have you seen this?" <laughs> yeah, because it's crazy. <laughs> but but to be fair, we've been saying that uh, this has been an issue for close to two years, yeah. right? Like when they first stepped in, and and I think that there have been a little bit of challenges because of. Um, changes in the ministry and, and things like that, the minister, right, the election, all of that. And so this has taken longer, I think, to get to this point than maybe it should have for the for the residents of Chestermere. But but yeah, holy cow. <laughs> Absolutely wild. Well, let's ask you uh, in closing, Mayor Ganim, uh, for, for your you know walkout message here, what you think people should reflect on this weekend or heading into the new year? Just Try, try to be happy. Try to find something good in your day. Try oh, to I find like something good in your life. Uh, remember that the people around you might be struggling with something that you have nothing, no, mm-hmm. no idea about. And just maybe uh, a little bit of grace as opposed to being met with some aggression or whatever it happens to be. There's, there's so much of it right now on social media and it's spilling over into face-to-face interactions where everybody has to there's got to be conflict or it's, it's not good. And I think we need to go the other way where, um, we're, we're people too. I, I might be the mayor. I might be the spokesperson for the community, but I'm still a person. And when you take shots at me, whether it's in person or on social media, you hurt my feelings. Can I say <laughs> one of our more remarkable moments in the history of this show was you. I think it was a year ago, because if I remember the clip correctly, you're wearing a, a, another hideous Christmas sweater. So I think it was one that also lit up. I think it was. All, yeah, yeah, that's right. Maybe you gave Johnny the idea. But I but I I think it was about a year ago. And you you basically said something along the same line. So, number one, I love your candor and I appreciate it. But this is obviously something that's like sort of like hit ho- clo- close to home for you. And and you're not a. What's the phrase? Fading violet? I know you're you're you're, you're not a wimp. I'm not a delicate little flower. You're not a delicate little flower. I, I <laughs> far from it. So this is I mean, I think that's that's uh, significant. To, to, I want to reiterate that point. That's something that you've mentioned on the show a number of times. Yeah. yeah, and I see it across the province. I see it with most electeds that they're taking far more abuse than than they ever have before. And it's mm-hmm. it's completely unacceptable. You're nodding. Have you experienced it yourself personally? Oh, for sure. Hundred. I I would actually challenge you to find an elected official of any level um, who hasn't <laughs> who hasn't experienced some form of of abuse. And I think you know we talked about this yesterday. We're we're working on some initiatives around fostering a culture of respect because we're starting to get concerned about political viability. Where in smaller communities you can't find anyone to hold the office. Of we, course, you don't get paid very much out in small town Alberta, right? Because we are we're fully recognizing that this is on the backs of our taxpayers. So why would you do a job for basically free? Is where it people rude for me to ask? <laughs> what is it, what is a councillor making? In like, is it is every council has its own 
salary. Is that right? Yep. And and they're all structured differently. And it's because publicly it's up available, to you. right? It is, so like, it what's is. A, what's a counselor in Calmar making? Ooh, for I the think year? this year I'm gonna come in at about seventeen thousand. Okay, seventeen thousand. So like th- thirteen hundred bucks a month or something. You know, fourteen hundred bucks a month, something like yep. that. Yeah, I, I probably half of my time is volunteer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't track Calmar. your time. Yeah, it, don't. It, it just it, makes it, you feel. You're sad. not making one hundred and seventy-five grand uh, to to go do all the ribbon cuttings. This is something that you obviously no. have to have a deeper sense of of connection and, and commitment to your community to do. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, all of these, all of these things. So all of our communities are required to have a final annual financial statement there. Your wages are reported in that statement. It's publicly available. I'm happy to talk all the time about what I get paid because the answer is it's not much. Um, I don't ask many guests what they make. By No, the way, I, that's totally, totally fine. I don't mind. Um, it is, it's one of those things where I think we were just talking about this outside in when we were parking about how public civility in general across the board has maybe decreased, right? And I and I think that we see that, and especially with rising tensions around things like affordability and um, people are worried about their their homes, their families, their lives. Totally. Um, and taking it out on, on us maybe. And so I think that's a great point for Tyler for us to reiterate is, especially during this time of the year, to just be kind to one another. Um, costs you nothing. Mm. We won't put it on your property tax bill. Mm. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I've got a ton of respect for for both of you and the organization uh, that, that you're here uh, representing today. Um, it's amazing to think of 85% of people that are in the province are living in communities that are represented by Alberta municipalities. That is uh, to talk about a formidable force. There it is at abmunis.ca. You can learn more about their advocacy and about all the issues that we've been talking about today. It's also a great way to connect with these local councils like we've been talking about. And, and of course, we're grateful for your time on this Friday. Thanks for joining us. You've been hearing from uh, Tyler Gannam, who's the president of Alberta Municipalities, also the mayor of Potaskawin, Councillor Krista Gardner out of Calmar, uh, who's the director of Towns West, and of course, previously joining us, uh, Councillor Andrew Nack out of Edmonton, director for cities over 500,000. Very happy holidays, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year to you both and to your teams behind the scenes. And to you and your family, mm-hmm. appreciate the time. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks. You bet. Hey, I love this. Uh, Johnny, did you see this in the live chat? This comment from Fiona, who says, I recently found this show on Spotify, says, I'm so glad I did. I love the diverse political conversations that you host. That is music to our ears, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. New joiners. New joiners. I like that. We've noticed that. I mean, we see it in our downloads. Uh, We see it, uh, of course, in our YouTube subscriptions. You know, our our, our subscribers to our YouTube channel are up 34% in nine months. Every time I open... Can keep that up <laughs> not to give like numbers away but every time i open Podbean yeah, or youtube lots. the arrows are pointing up everything's in the everything's green. green everything's plus 100 yeah so like new subscribers we're getting them daily and so if you're here today welcome yeah if this is your first show thank you so much go over to ryanjesperson.com and uh, check out the Pond Hockey Classic, which is coming oh, up. Oh, buddy, I love that. Nice little plug there on <laughs> well, the Well, it's fly. a good chance if you're a new joiner, come out and meet these people who you're seeing in the chat so that you can be a little more uh, calm when you address <laughs> them. Because I think people get, get fired up in the chat. We all want to have our opinions. But when you see them out and when you have a cup of coffee or a beer with them oh, yeah. out at the Pond Hockey Classic, the Real Talk Golf Classic, 
it, it, it really connects you to people and then you're a little more you're a little more polite in the chat but i know people I get fired part, up the especially now really civil it's been it's been good i mean there's, has, you know, there's the odd bad actor in there but i but i think that uh it's a, it's a great community of people and oh i and, like um, the fiery stuff yeah i like the we're not afraid of the fiery stuff and i know the chat isn't either but we all we all just like we just want to keep the same as the spirit of this conversation here we get a real talk talk about real issues but at the end of the day recognize that we're all in it together mm-hmm. um you know and so that that's pretty awesome yeah the real talk pond hockey classic go to the events link at ryanjesperson.com it's saturday february 3rd johnny's going to be spinning tunes there uh we've 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 got uh we've just confirmed uh i think our eighth team we're capping it at 24 so we're right on pace we know it's going to sell out but but you don't want to be left on the outside looking in kind of it's actually several rinks outdoors in st albert it's not a pond uh so everything is like the city there's mini zambonis there everything uh, there's obviously food, brews, coffee, hot chocolate. I'm calling all up that our YouTube stuff. video right now, so so you can see. Uh, we can show it on the Great screen. Great music so all day long. Check this out, Johnny. Share yeah. my screen. So here's for people you know listening on the podcast. You that. can see there the city of St. Albert floods floods Larry Alexiak Field for us. Uh, so we've got ten rinks with zambonis. Like nobody else is doing that. I think we had how many eight bonfires last year? Incredible. Something like that. We've got and the hot burgers and the cold everywhere. beers and the. Oh, from, man. The, from the entrance to the food area to the bonfires to the rink, you just keep your skates on all day. It's yeah, great. yeah, it's absolutely fantastic and and all in support of a great cause. We, we're happy to support uncles and aunts at large and uh, kids sport, uh, which of course is uh, doing everything that they can to remove financial barriers for kids to get into sports. So, uh, fact check: we have eight rinks, not ten. Oh, I want to make sure that uh, we fact check ourselves. I just saw the aerial shot, the drone <laughs> shot. But if you go on YouTube and search, now we're gonna have to add two. Really. We are going to add two more, two more hey rinks. Guys, uh, uh, who doesn't want 10 <laughs> rinks? We need 10 rinks. So that's Saturday, February 3rd. Again, you can register your team or, hey, join us on the sponsorship side or volunteer uh, like many of you have in past. Uh, RyanJesperson.com. Click on the events link. I also wanted to point something else out, but this is not necessarily like an, an advertisement. This is just a shout out for small business owners, even medium sized business owners that are looking to ramp up your digital performance. And this is something that we did at Real Talk. Hey, Johnny, maybe this has something to do with everything we're talking about, all of our numbers in the green and our growth that we're seeing this year. New people Mm. on our radar. We partnered with the University of Alberta, in particular, this digital economy program. Uh, It's through the U of A Center for Cities and Communities, led by Heather Thompson. Um, They're supporting the consulting group through the Alberta School of Business. It's a free initiative that helps build your business's online presence in the Edmonton capital and surrounding regions. So if you're a registered business in the province of Alberta with fewer than 50 employees. So that is still a pretty good sized business. You could have one employee, you could have 49. You're eligible for this program. Again, it's free. So business students are working as your consultants and they're going to help you and your team boost your digital literacy with how to do everything. You need to create a Google profile. You need to build a Shopify or Etsy e-commerce website. You don't know anything about Facebook ads, but you know you should be running them. Now, this is funded by the government of Alberta in partnership with uh, Digital Main Street, Business Link, and the U of A, and it runs all the way through till October of 2024, so you've got some time, but the best part, if you start right now, you're going to start seeing results immediately. Again, there is no catch, and it is free. Just check out your DEP, that's Digital Economy Program, your DEP.ca. If you're still trying to come up with your plan for hosting the holiday feast, whatever it is, however many people you've got, 
The best move you can make, trust me, is to put this in the capable hands of the Red Seal chefs at Friesen Brothers. You can order your Ukrainian-inspired Christmas dinner box today for pickup at any of their Friesen Brothers locations. There's 16 of them across the province of Alberta. Plus, gift buying these days. Easier with Friesen Brothers hand-packed gift boxes, all items carefully curated to suit all tastes and budgets. You can customize them to a theme, a person, an occasion. It's perfect for the person who has everything. You can find more information at Friesen.com slash gifts. Our friends at Eden Landscaping want to remind you that it's a perfect time of year to surprise your loved one, your life partner, your soulmate by bringing your shared outdoor space to life. Eden Landscaping is in the business of exceeding expectations. And so whether that's an outdoor water feature, an outdoor kitchen, maybe you're looking for a new patio hardscape Put some of those beautiful boulders in your front yard. Maybe go with that pollinator approach. That's been a really hot trend this year, attracting butterflies and other pollinators, bees to your yard using native plants and grasses. The team at Eden Landscaping has a fabulous philosophy about exceptional landscapes working as thoughtful, flowing visions. Why not gift a free consultation to a loved one? You can find Eden Landscaping online at landscapeedmonton.com. And of course, we mentioned very fondly earlier in this show, the reason why we don't have any water leaks in the roof of this studio is because we had the team at Complete Care Restoration quarterbacking this project. We should mention there was a water leak in this space before we took over. There was. We saw the, uh, what do you call it? Like the water stain damage coming down the brick wall right There's behind me here. There's some little remnants They're right really, where your you hand could, is you right now. You could see them. You could see them. There was yeah. evidence that the water was dripping down, and we're going, <laughs> we're going to have, I don't know how many tens of thousands of dollars worth of electronic equipment in here. Water leaks aren't <laughs> going to work for us. So the team at Complete Care Restoration came in, and boy, did they troubleshoot it. Uh, they're experts in mitigating and repairing, getting people back on their feet after fire damage, flood damage. They handle mold and asbestos removal as well. That's not something you want to mess around with yourself and construction and renovation projects plus they do it all minimizing their environmental footprint recycling an average of more than 70 percent of materials from the job sites that they're working on it's what sets complete care restoration apart you can find them online at completecarerestoration.ca they also got these tvs hanging perfectly which i was afraid i was gonna have to do remember remember the one we've got a very large one i'm not sure you can see yeah, it like right 85 there 85 inches yeah. it's huge and it took it took about three different times because can you imagine if you and ryan, i were hanging that thing i'm a perf- i thought i was a perfectionist ryan kept looking at it and he get, he's getting the level out and he's well because it, <laughs> it was like, like it was it's like, a little i know it's it was something like it was about like an it. inch and a, it just didn't just look a little right <laughs> it just didn't look quite right and i was like i hate to be the guy <laughs> But <laughs> and then complete care came in and they're like, yeah, hold on. Well, you know what's funny and it's perfect. Like what a what a pain in the ass we were. But like, can, can you take? Uh, we have like you know, there's there's monitors all around us, mm-hmm. and one of the things and and like. You know, these guys, this is a little behind the scenes story as we get ready to wrap the show with a a traditional flamethrower. You know how that goes on Fridays. But but you know, they they came in and and doing what they would do. They hung some of the TVs in the space when we weren't here at, at a level, at an eye level, you would normally hang TVs at. But the only problem is we sit down on set. Yeah. So if you come into our studio, the TVs are mounted like at a really weird level. They're mounted at like torso level, right? So they come in and we come in and we go. 
yeah, we're going to need you to move all those TVs and the no drywall's been punched through. No problem. <laughs> they said to us, no problem, and they did such a good job. And, and so we get a little enthusiastic when we talk about we why, why people should hire them. You know who else we love is, is our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, and, and they are the ones that have set the table for you every single Friday to blow off a little steam. It's a tradition where we invite you to bring the heat, to, to send us your hot takes. All right, these are all real emails that have been sent to talk at ryanjesperson.com. It's the flamethrower presented by the DQs of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. This one from Mike who says, Jespo, can somebody please explain to me why everybody seems to have such a hard time accepting and understanding the concept of the zipper merge? He says, I pick up my daughter from daycare every day. I get home, I have to cross this bridge over the Hende in, in Southeast Edmonton. You know the bridge that a trucker clipped while pulling out an excavator? He goes, oh my gosh, what is going on with people? He says, a zipper merge is a technique when two lanes of traffic are merging into one and drivers take turns in alternating zipper fashion, like the teeth of a zipper, merging at the point where the lanes reduce at the very end of the lane that is closing. Stop merging before this point. It helps maintain a smoother flow of traffic, reduces congestion, and utilizes all available road space. It's such an easy concept, yet on multiple times, multiple occasions, Drivers attempt to block me from proceeding to the end of the lane. I've had vehicles speed up so I can't get in. It's asinine. You're literally causing potential accidents solely because you think I'm cutting in line. This isn't a movie theater. This isn't a coffee shop. I'm not ignoring the long line of people waiting to get their lattes and frappa kappa bullshit. I'm simply following the rule. Frappa kappa bullshit. What a great name for a band. He says, anyway, I'm following the rules of the road and nobody else seems to know what's going on. Where's the city on this? Where's the marketing campaign? He says, a quick plug for the Stuff You Should Know podcast. They just did a zipper merge episode a couple of weeks ago. Every Albertan should take a look. That from Mike. How about this one from Chris, who says, I describe myself as a conservative who needs to be persuaded. But I think that an earmuffs kids. By the way, kids should never be listening to the flamethrower. He says, Pulliam's a craven bitch. Bitch me and these bitch ass <laughs> truck nuts and fuck Trudeau decals make me take you less seriously. So all these people can fuck off. You don't know what you're talking about. To be clear, conservatism is supposed to be opposed to radicalism. And the UCP in Alberta has no business calling itself conservative. They're right wing radicals. There's nothing remotely conservative about Danielle Smith. <laughs> that from Chris, the conservative. What about this one from Sally, who says, I'm so sick of listening to all the great things that this provincial government is doing. I remember the 80s very well. Oil was everything for Alberta. We were booming. Spend, spend, spend everything from municipal buildings in small towns, highways, hospitals, and then everything became very expensive. And interest was sky high. And people started walking away from their homes. And then the crash. Oil companies walked away. We're dealing with orphan wells to this day and government won't admit it. There's a hidden power agenda, says Sally. A lot of changes over the last six months. And I've seen a lot of people fired without due thought and consideration. We need healthy people mentally and physically. We need affordable food and shelter to give young people hope. Sally says, I'm sorry for the rant. Sally, don't you dare apologize. What about this one from Brad who says, did I hear a guest on this show equating naturopaths to real doctors? That's beyond the pale. I don't think you did, Brad, but he's referencing our talk with Erica Brudis and, and Cheryl Lotes earlier this week. He says, why don't we ask Tim Caulfield what he thinks about this? You know, the health mistbuster, the U, U of A prof that was with us a few weeks ago. says, they're not doctors. These naturopaths are not an option for people needing the emergency room. These are people that will subject ivermectin for COVID. Just including them in the healthcare system discussion is a mistake. Have pneumonia? Go see somebody to lay hands on you? Use crystal energy for healing? My God. That from 
Brad. We're going to get a flamethrower submission from a naturopath next Friday. I guarantee it. <laughs> Bring it on, baby. Talk at RyanJesperson.com. And this one from Janine. I cited her email earlier today. She says, I read the kids are being treated on beds on the floor at the Stollery Children's Hospital. That is normal right now for 50 kids at a time to wait 12 hours in the waiting room at Emerge to be treated. And the premier on a radio show saying that Alberta's surplus will not fund health care, but go toward restoring the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. That made me snap. And that's why I'm emailing you, Jespo, says Janine. What about the basics first? I don't give a crap about the Heritage Savings Fund if it's on the backs of our kids. I've heard this phrase, if you don't vote, you don't get to complain. I voted for the NDP, and for four years, I emailed and called the UCP to complain, and now I'm complaining to UCP voters, including in the Real Talk audience. This is the fruit of your vote, says Janine. What did you think about, I'm okay with healthcare collapsing on the backs of six sick kids to fund the savings fund? What? Well, the premier said packing 35 grade five kids into small classrooms is okay. Letting food, insurance, rent, utilities to skyrocket. So what? We can get a new hockey arena in Calgary, a referendum on a pension plan, letting parties get bigger donations so they can enter the fray in the municipalities, fighting with the feds in every way possible and rolling backward on climate. So to UCP voters, I ask you this, says Janine, did you really vote for this? Because if not, the premier said she'd listen to you. And if you really believe her, you should tell her what you think about the job she's doing. Or there's the simple fact that she's making sick kids wait. Janine signs off, losing hope. Well, let's not go there. The conversations will continue. The advocacy will continue. And you'll hear all of it right here on your home for Real Talk. This is the Flamethrower presented by the DQs of Northwest Edmonton and Sherman Park. That's Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. Thank you for tuning in this week. We wish you a safe, happy, and healthy weekend. We'll be right back at it Monday morning. We'll talk to you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta, on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.